Throughout the month of June, 3CR is running a station appeal. We're asking you, the listener, to donate to keep the station going. 3CR relies on the support of our listeners, but we know that many of you are doing it hard. So if you can't, we get it. But if you can, head to 3cr.org.au to make your tax-deductible donation to the 3CR Station Appeal. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Welcome to Done By Law for the 2nd of June 2020. We're on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am and 3CR Digital or streaming online and podcasted on 3cr.org.au. We're proud to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're broadcasting from and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. We're your hosts tonight, Daniel Batchevich, and I'm with Gemma Lee Dodds and Sue Robertson. How are you doing? Hey, Dan. I'm really well, thank you. How are you? <laughs> it's wow, nice to have good, some easing you. in the ISO. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our main story tonight will be about the Southport Community Legal Service and a concerning story about their future funding and whether they will be able to survive. But first, we just want to mention to all our listeners that it's the 3CR station appeal this week, which means we're calling out for our listeners' donations and support. We know it's a tough time for many listeners, but it's also a tough time for community radio stations. And we really, really do run off the community support and funding. So if you can, we're asking for a tax-deductible donation, which you can make at the 3CR website, or you can um, go onto our Facebook page and we'll plug all the details on there for how you can donate to 3CR. Yeah, and if you know anyone with deep pockets, let them know. (laughs) So uh, also, tonight we want to acknowledge that it's Reconciliation Week in Australia and we just want to chew the fat a little bit about that. Um, You know. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to. We there's been some events in a, in the states that really, um, you know, have have our attention about about um, race and and um, the effect of racism, and um, we're not innocent here in Australia, and we need to uh, think about all of our historical and current actions, and um, work out how we learn to respect our indigenous cultures. And that means not blowing up ancestral, sacred ancestral caves to um, loot them for um, iron ore. What do you reckon, yeah, Dan? That, well, that's right, Sue. I think uh, it's important to acknowledge that uh, Reconciliation Week in Australia is a time for all Australians to learn about uh, shared history and culture and the mm-hmm. achievement, achievements of people in working towards achieving a reconciliation reconciled Australia the dates it began last week on the 
27th of May, which commemorates uh, the 1967 referendum. And uh, it concludes tomorrow on the 3rd of June, which acknowledges the very significant High Court decision in the Mabo case. And throughout the week, there's often a lot of activities, but obviously due to COVID-19, a lot of those activities have um, had mm. to be uh, cancelled or maybe redirected. But there's still certainly a lot of things that people can do to learn about Nas uh, National Reconciliation Week. I believe you have some information about that, Sue. Yeah, there's a, a really great, you know, seeing as we can't actually go along in person to um, events that um, educate us um, about the things we really need to know, there's actually a, um, a, the second edition of the Macquarie Atlas of Indigenous Australia that's just been made available. And the atlas is a story in maps depicting all aspects of Indigenous culture from 60,000 years ago to the present day. And so if you, you know, since we can't go along in person, this is something that you can go and get and, and um, educate your, our, each of us, educate ourselves about um, um, this incredible uh, continuous culture or the cultures that have been here. All right. So this this atlas is is something that's contributed to by many many people around the country, uh, and it mm -hmm. it's a story in maps that depicts yeah. indigenous culture throughout its sixty thousand plus years of history. It does seem like something that would be uh, quite incredible to read. Wait, so where where can someone access this? Is this just through the the university? I think if you just if you just Google um, the Macquarie Atlas of Indigenous Australia, um, I'm sure it's available. It's available through the uh, Australian National University. Um, but I'm pretty sure you could, if you Google it, you could find um, where you can access it um, in other places as well. Uh, it's. I think it's important to educate ourselves in this way and. It, a story in maps is a really wonderful idea where you can actually visually see and then understand how um, how the the depth and breadth of um, the different um, expressions of indigenous cultures across our country um, can be visualised in front of your eyes. We uh, we may post some links to that as well on our um, on our website and on the podcast um, page. Well. We'll go to a short break and when we return, we'll be talking about the Southport Community Legal Service and the potential issues they face in their fight to survive. Yeah, and let's remember that, um, you know, funding Indigenous Australians are served by community legal centres all over Australia. So cuts to funding also affect um, services and support for our Indigenous Australians. That's right. All right, well, we'll be right back. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. 
You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. Tonight, we'll be talking about something that has been really concerning, particularly for our show partner and sponsor, the Federation of Community Legal Centres. In a time where we have very quickly learned what an essential service is, it may come as a shock to hear that a community legal centre may face extinction due to proposed funding cuts. But this is a very real prospect facing the 32-year-old Southport Community Legal Centre based in Port Melbourne. A large proportion of funding that keeps Southport CLC running comes from the local government, Port Phillip City Council. However, the local government has proposed to cut that funding, which is likely to result in the forced closure of the CLC. Community legal centres often play an essential role in filling the large gap in access to legal help that exists in the community where legal aid is often restrictive and people find themselves priced out of private legal help. Despite the federal government announcing a $63 million funding boost and the Victorian state government announcing a $17.5 million funding boost for frontline legal services during COVID-19 crisis, there is the prospect of a community legal centre being forced to close its doors. Tonight, we're joined by a community lawyer at Southport CLC, Brian Burton, to talk about what's happening and the fight to save the Southport Community Legal Centre. Brian, thank you for joining us. Oh, hello, Daniel. Thank you very much. Uh, and Sue and Gemma, thank you. So, Brian, what is the local government proposing to Southport CLC? Um, so, uh, council have been in contact with the service uh, indirectly. Um, there is a proposal that was brought to uh, the council's executive team to cease funding for the Southport Community Legal Service. Uh, as of the 30th of June, uh, 2020. Okay, and can can you give us a bit of background as to, I guess, how how this all came about? Has has Southport um, been funded since? Has always been funded by the council. How long has it been been operating for? Sure. So uh, the service has been around for around 30 years, and for the last 20 years or so, um, has received ongoing funding from the City of Port Phillip. Um, and we're very grateful for that funding. Um, it has allowed us to establish a great service that does a lot of good work. Um, but there are some um, budget uh, limitations in at the City of Port Phillip at the moment, which is um, placing some pressure on where they can spend uh, their funds to support the community. And what, and what kind of funding does the local government actually provide? And is it being proposed that all of that funding is is stopped? So um, the council's current contribution uh, for this financial year was around $63,000. Um, so that funding goes direct to the provision of services and it essentially pays for uh, the cost of a principal solicitor and five hours of part-time legal support. And then the remainder of that funding goes to insurance, to practicing certificates, uh, to paper for printers, uh, and the costs of telecommunication. So um, the funding, while limited, um, is put directly to use um, to providing legal advice to the community. 
Um, and I, I must add, so the council, they, um, they do provide uh, rent um, in one of uh, council's buildings. Um, it's peppercorn rent, so the amount is not a great deal. Um, and we do have access to uh, lockable rooms where we can operate from. What what exactly is the makeup of the Southport CLC? It sounds like there's you know, a sort of running on the smell of an oily rag with that kind of funding and hours of staff that can operate. Yeah, so it, it is a very small service. Um, there are two employed solicitors. Uh, the principal solicitor is funded by the ongoing funding from uh, the council. Uh, and then my role there, I'm the second solicitor and my role is funded by a grant from the Department of Justice and Community Safety uh, in relation to family violence and supporting victims of crime. Um, the, service, the service itself is open uh, two days a week on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and operates a night service on both days, um, one in uh, South Melbourne and one in Port Melbourne uh, so that the community can get access to lawyers when they're available. So okay. that means basically half of your legal um, workforce will go. Uh, look, that's a possibility. If that funding doesn't continue, um, I, I can't see without the funding being replaced from another source, I can't see any way that um, the service would continue to operate long term. Um, Council does provide the majority of the funding um, and that goes direct to um, service provision. So without that funding, there'd be um, no more senior lawyer to operate the practice and oversee all of the files and be responsible for it all. Um, and then the flow on effect of that is that if there's no general service, um, there wouldn't or there'd be fewer people attending um, to facilitate access to the victims of crime practice as well. So if, um, if that ongoing funding from council was no longer available, uh, my suspicion is that the victims of crime practice would go away as well. And that, would right. be... and that must be really, really hard advice to give people when you're, when you're trying to manage people who are in really difficult circumstances coming to the service and you've got this hanging over your head. It, it must be difficult to be able to relay advice um, in those kinds of circumstances about what certainty that client might have long-term? Yeah, so um, it's not come to be too much of an issue with clients at the moment. Um, we're still providing services as much as we can during COVID. Um, we're very fortunate that we've had essentially no interruption to our service. Um, everyone's working from home and online. Uh, we're very fortunate to have support of Action Step. Um, who have kindly donated their services to us. So we use a cloud-based platform. Everyone can work from home as if they're in the office. Uh, and so all of our uh, volunteers are still able to assist uh, both on the day service and the night service as well. Um, so th there's been little in the way of impact to clients just yet. Um, but I would imagine if we do need to go down um, the pathway of um, handing over files to other services, there would be some complexity um, in getting those files to the right service um, because of uh, issues of conflict of interest uh, for other CLCs or for other law firms in the area uh, being able to undertake the work that we've taken on. 
So how then does, you know, are there other services that can take over your, your work? Um, it seems like that's a big ask. Yeah, so um, one of the proposals put forward by the City of Port Phillip was that um, Southport Community Legal Service was a duplication of a service provided by the St Kilda Legal Service. Um, there are some uh, crossovers in the service, in the types of service that is provided by the two services, um, uh, but they operate in different geographic regions. So um, I understand Council's position was that um, St Kilda could just take on uh, all of those files um, and then all of the ongoing clients uh, from the catchment of Southport. And would but that I, be practical? Yeah, so uh, look, I don't propose to speak for the St Kilda Legal Service. Um, from my conversations with them, um, they weren't uh, made aware of this proposal prior to it going to the executive um, at the City of Port Phillip. I understand they are in communication now about this issue. Um, but from what I understand, um, much like the rest of the community legal sector, um, there's very little in the way of spare capacity in order to take on an extra six or 800 clients uh, annually. So um, if Southport was to go away, I think that there would need to be um, an increase in funding to the other services nearby um, in order to undertake that service provision. Sorry, um, Sue. <laughs> yeah. But that's all right. I, I was going to ask that very same question, Daniel. Oh. <laughs> it just seems to me that um, from what I know about community legal centres, their funding is actually attached to their catchment so that the, the, the geographical boundaries from which their clients can be drawn generally. Yeah, yeah so, that's right, um, yeah. That, that seems to me to mean that your, your catchment will be a black hole in funding until it can be filled somehow. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, that's definitely one of the um, factors that needs to be considered. And I think um, there's certainly no shortage of demand for legal services in this part of the city of Port Phillip. South Melbourne and Port Melbourne um, and also Albert Park have um, significant numbers of uh, social and affordable housing um, in these neighbourhoods. Uh, I don't have the exact statistics for uh, South Melbourne and Port Melbourne, but it would definitely be in the thousands of dwellings, more than 2,000 dwellings would be my assessment, um, where people are um, provided housing by the Department of Health and Human Services. Yeah, there's definitely a demand. Um, and then uh, there's also the growth corridor of uh, Fisherman's Bend. So. Mm. Um, I think in the next 10 years, uh, the expectation of council themselves um, is that there will be an additional 18,000 people living um, in the Fisherman's Bend and Port Melbourne area. Um, and council's plan is to introduce another 1,100 social dwellings um, in that neighbourhood. So, if anything, there's going to be a greater um, interest uh, and demand for community legal centres uh, in this neighbourhood. So there is the real possibility that thousands of people who don't have otherwise any easy access 
to a community legal centre could lose that. And I mean, it's not just access to affordable legal help. It's also the the ability to access it geographically as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, look, there are proposals on public transport into Fisherman's Bend um, and there are bus and tram services throughout the city. So there is a, a possibility for those who have access uh, or who don't have access to a vehicle, they would be able to travel. Um, one of the difficulties being um, the travel time between Port Melbourne and uh, St Kilda can be as long as sort of 50 minutes or an hour, depending on the time of day uh, that travel is required. Mm. And the, I guess, you, you know, it, it's in terms of zooming out, I guess, and, and, and looking at what this means on a, on a, on a broader level for uh, the rest of the community legal, uh, you know, centre services across Victoria, it's a pretty worrying kind of trend to see that, um, you know, when, when the finances look a bit thin on the ground for a council, it can decide to put aside $60,000, which has this kind of knock-on effect to essential services. I think, it, I think a lot of community legal centres would suddenly be looking at their books and wondering, well, what happens if my local council um, finds it a bit tough? What's that going to be for my service? How can I protect against that perspective risk? Yeah, I don't doubt it. And I, uh, I have every expectation that um, you know, a council are facing a severe funding shortfall for the next financial year. Um, the numbers that are quoted to me is that um, they need to save another $19.7 million. Um, and I understand that that's a very um, deep cut to be looking to make for a, uh, for a budget of some 220 or $240 million annually. Yeah. Um, so if they are looking to save um, amounts of sort of sixty-three or sixty-five thousand um, dollars. It is my, uh, or I, I imagine that the need to look very wide and very deep um, for all of the funding cuts that are available um, is pressing on the council um, and weighing on the decision makers quite heavily. Yeah, and and what's your understanding of of the the time frame from here? I guess I mean, do you have an idea of? Uh, what the process is, I could see that 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 forum um, asking for for feedback or um, has has now closed to the to the broader community. Do you have any insight about what comes next? Um, I don't have an exact date on um, when a decision is going to be made, but I would anticipate it sometime in the next two weeks um, okay. would be when the executive council meet again to determine. Um, you know whether they can continue to sustain our service. Brian, with um, the announcement from federal and state government about further funding for frontline legal services during COVID-19 pandemic, what do you feel this proposal from the council reflects about the attitude towards um, essential community legal services and the access to justice for the community on a broader scale? Yeah, so um, council's been clear that um, they don't see uh, local government as being responsible for providing funding um, to the community legal sector. Um, the information we've been, we've been provided is that um, if the funding goes away from the City of Port Phillip, um, our service will uh, be able to access um, 
core grants or ongoing funding from uh, either state or federal governments. Um, and I, my understanding is that um, they view that some other agency will uh, step in to fill in the gap. Um, and I have my reservations about that because I have applied um, for several grants from both state and federal governments um, uh, with limited success. <laughs> um, and we are uh, very grateful for the ongoing funding from the Department of Justice um, that allows us to uh, support victims of family violence. Um, but uh, I wish it were as easy as to just turn a tap on in another location um, and to access funding from a different source, um, you know, in a, in a period of a couple of months. So I wish it was that easy, um, but possibly not. And I think part of the complexities of access to justice um, is that if this service goes away, there's, you know, 30 or 40 key volunteers um, that's practising lawyers who give up their um, free time, whether it's in the evenings or during the day. They give up their time um, to help the community get access to justice and to understand the law and understand their position as to how the law affects them. Um, there's a real possibility that um, those volunteers will either go elsewhere or will cease doing pro bono work. Um, and th there will just be a gap um, of unmet need in the community. So it's not just the loss of one lawyer, it's actually loss of access to a big pool of legal yeah, expertise right. that is yeah, affecting this yeah, community. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. So there's a core group of key volunteers who've been assisting for a long time. Um, volunteers, volunteer lawyers come and go uh, and sometimes come back. Um, and we also receive a lot of support from uh, law students as well. So um, we provide um, dedicated training to students from Deakin University, uh, and then we also um, uh, accept the assistance of uh, other law students and criminology students who are from uh, the, the city of Port Phillip. So there are a large number of other people who will be affected if the service does go away. So potentially it's not just people in the community who are in need of legal help. It's also the future lawyers. Um, yeah, that's right. And future yeah, yeah, yeah. people that will, you know, continue to fight for access to justice that lose that opportunity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, would, I, would, I would have thought that the, the legal services also are really important part of the community culture um, in the Southport mm. area. Um, and, and so to remove the services itself also um, really kind of damages that community spirit and um, a, a place that people can come together and, and, and understand more about the place that they live. Yeah, it does have that feel to it. Often um, uh, if I am uh, at work and popping by Coles in Port Melbourne, uh, it's actually pretty common to meet a client or two in there, have a quick chat uh, while we choose milk. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, I guess I'm apprehensive about the outcomes for the people in that community. Mm. Yeah, so what, what can people do, uh, Brian, to support Southport Community Legal Service and show their support? Is there something yeah, that so, the listeners can do? Uh, yeah, I would encourage 
um, anyone who has an interest to get in contact with one of the ward members. Um, the mayor is Bernadine Voss. Uh, you can find her contact details on the website for the City of Port Phillip. I'm sure she would love to hear um, how much the community would like this uh, service to continue on. Um, and then uh, the other councillor who I'm sure would love to hear from everyone is Louise Crawford. Uh, she's uh, on the ward of Gateway uh, and an elected member of uh, council. And of course, I guess people can donate money. If oh, there's anyone yes, wealthy yes, enough. Plug, plug, <laughs> yes, uh, head to the website, southportcls.com.au. You can make a donation online. We're a registered charity, so uh, any donations that you make to us are tax deductible. Um, we can happily accept them straight from your credit card if you're so inclined. <laughs> well, um, look, uh, Brian, thank you very much for donating your time to the show uh, because we trust it's a very stressful and busy time for you. Um, mm. And there's a, there's a lot of great work that Southport Community Legal Service do and it would be quite tragic to see, see you go. Oh, well, thanks, uh, Daniel and Sue and Jim. I really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat. No problem. Yeah, thanks for your time. And that was community lawyer at Southport Community Legal Service, Brian Burton. Which was a bit of a sad story, really, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's concerning. Um, fingers crossed for the next couple of weeks and um, we'll obviously be keeping a, a watchful eye on, on that story and we'll update on our Facebook page, I think, when, when we have an outcome on, on, on the funding question. Yeah, I'm sure we have listeners in, in their catchment who possibly even have used their services who would be unhappy to hear what's going on. Mm. Potentially even listeners who've volunteered their time on a pro bono yeah. basis or worked uh, for Southport CLC or mm. learnt uh, their skills as a law student uh, mm. through the uh, law student program they have there. So you can see that it just has far-reaching implications. Yeah, as Gemma mentioned earlier when we during the interview, community legal centres are not just sort of like um, isolated entities. They they have um, fingers through the culture of the community, and it's uh, it's um, really important to keep them alive. So that's all we have for tonight on uh, Done by Law on Three CR Radio, and uh, stay tuned for our friends from West Papua. And uh, we'll see you next time we're on the air. Thanks. See you later. Uh, thanks, Dan. Have a great night. Thanks, everyone. See ya. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.